share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. And the second reading is from Mark chapter 9 and it's on page 1012. six days Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked round, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Lent starts on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. It's going to be 40 days, but that's not anything new. Lent is always 40 days. But if you sit and count the days from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, you'll find you've got a few spares. Lent is a time of fasting. Sunday is a feast day. So Sundays are feast days amongst the fast. The 40 days don't include the Sundays. The church calendar during Lent follows Christ's ministry. So we're aimed towards the culmination of that ministry. We set off on our 40-day journey knowing the destination is Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So during Lent, we are preparing ourselves on that journey for that particular celebration. It's a time to remind ourselves of Christ's sacrifice. It's a time to ready our hearts and minds. The beginning of Lent is almost always, in fact it might be always in the Church of England, marked by the reading of Isaiah chapter 58 that we heard Caroline read there. This, then, should be our touchstone. This is what it's all about. And what does it tell us? It tells us that God's notion of fasting has got nothing to do with how much we eat. It tells us it's got everything to do with whether we are looking outwards away from ourselves, towards others, towards God. Two weeks ago, I preached on Matthew 6, about the Lord's Prayer, 
Not here, but at St Mark's at Staplefield. Matthew chapter 6 begins looking at generous giving. Then it moves on to prayer, with the Lord's Prayer, and then to fasting. Jesus emphasises humility in all these things, pointing out that all of them are outward-facing activities. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, and we've just said it, how many times does I, me, mine, occur in that prayer? Not once. Not once. Jesus gave us a prayer to take. Go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father in secret. But he didn't say, this is all about me. It's not a self-centred prayer. It's outward looking. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Who is the us? It is all of us, the richest and the poorest. When we pray, forgive us our trespasses, we're praying for all of us. Even, maybe especially, those that we struggle to forgive. This is not a prayer that's looking inwards into us. It's a prayer that's looking outwards. It's a prayer inviting God's blessing on everyone. Throughout that section in Matthew 6, Christ is looking for that outward-looking approach. And he is decrying any sort of self-centred ostentation Christ says that sort of attitude has no place in the kingdom. You remember a song, it's all about you, it's not about me. I used to find it difficult sometimes, I'd find myself stumbling and saying it's all about me. And that is where we stumble. There is a danger in turning inwards, in being self-centred, in making it all about me. And that's not where we're at. So I digress there a little, but we start to see with Isaiah 58 about this notion of looking outward, not inward, There's always a second reading at the beginning of Lent as well. And that varies, it's different from year to year. This year we were looking at the Transfiguration. So we're trying to look, if you like, at the notion of Isaiah 58 through the lens of the Transfiguration. We read that and for me that I immediately think of Moses going up the mountain seeing God, coming down with his face aglow with the reflected glory of God, having to wear a veil. And here is Jesus transfigured, whiter than anyone could bleach. 
The mountaintop experience gives us a glimpse of God's glory. But like Moses, we have to come down again. So Moses came down the mountain, tablets of stone in his hands with the commandments. And what did he find? The golden calf. There was Moses trying to bind his people into the love of God. And there were his people running away as fast as they could. In his anger, his disappointment, he smashed those stones down. And you know what happened next is one of my very favourite parts of the Bible. He goes back up the mountain and I envisage this picture of God sitting down on a boulder next to Moses and saying, find two more stones, let's start again. Moses went up back up the mountain fearing the glory of God because of what he'd seen at the foot of the mountain. And what did he find? He found the intimacy of the Father. Peter, James and John came down from the mountain from the transfiguration we've just heard and found their fellow disciples struggling to cast out a demon from a young boy. They too had reached rock bottom. And at rock bottom there, with the boy having seizures, we hear his father cry out, I do believe, help me in my unbelief. When we get to the bottom, that rock bottom, that's the time when our belief is most sorely tested. And there's a model of our prayer. I do believe, help me in my unbelief. And at the rock bottom, what we need is the intimate father. Or in this case, the intimate saviour, who in his glory banished the demon and in an intimate moment took the boy's hand raised him up and presented him to his father that is our God ultimate and intimate we pray our father that's family who art in heaven that's glory We've got both. William Barclay says he only knows of one word in the English language that can describe the relationship we have with a God who is glorious and Father. And he says it's reverence. This mixture of hesitant awe and family love. Why is this important? The mountaintop glory experience and the rock bottom family experience. Why is it important? Because the relationship that shares that potent mixture, glory and father, that relationship 
is like no other. We have a relationship there where we long to please God, where we yearn to do what our Saviour desires of us. And what does God want? Well, it's there in Isaiah 58. Is this not this the kind of fasting I desire? To loose the chains of injustice, to free the oppressed, to feed the hungry, to house the homeless. But remember too in the transfiguration, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And I think, what do I hear in this context when I listen to him? I hear... Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. It's a direct reflection of Isaiah 58. Whatever you did for the least of these. I can remember my kids as teenagers coming back from Soul Survivor with little strips round their wrists that said, WWJD and I said what on earth that is it some sort of new aerosol to loosen up your joints no they said it's what would Jesus do it's our guide for when we don't know what we should be doing when we're faced with a situation and we say what am I supposed to do here what would Jesus do the gospels are a model for us there of the ultimate and intimate saviour. The Gospels are full of accounts of a, a sort of helpless love. Jesus is aimed towards Good Friday and Easter, but everybody he bumps into on the way, his heart is poured out for them. He stops. He cannot help but be compassionate. In his glory, he healed. He restored. He drove out demons. He brought back to life. If we're called to, if that's what we see Jesus doing, we too can do those things. But he didn't just do that. He talked, he touched, he established relationships. He restored people in an emotional and spiritual way. We can do that without being called. We can do that as a matter of course. And I think, reading Isaiah 58, that God expects no less so what do we do? We're called to act as Jesus did. What would Jesus do? So should I. If you want to do something for Lent, for goodness sake, don't give something up. Take something on. Something that looks outwards. I had a look again at something I did a couple of years ago. 40 acts. You can search for it on the internet. There's a reflection for every day of Lent. But there's a challenge too. 
something to do. Something looking outwards. Something reflecting Isaiah's message. Have a look. You can do it on your own. You can do it in a pair. You could do it as a family. You could do it as a home group. There's even an app. Aren't we spoiled? But you've only got till Wednesday to get cracking. <coughs> Lent is about being ready. Being ready for Easter. Being ready for your Saviour. What do the Boy Scouts say? <coughs> Be prepared. And so we should. We're just going to take a little while now to pray. If I can manage to cope with the magic of technology. I am going to pray through those couple of verses of Isaiah. I'm going to leave lots of space because I'm only going to pick up one or two things for each phrase. And you will have things in your hearts, in your minds, that you would like to add. Don't be shy. Speak them out if you're feeling bold. Keep them in your heart if you're not. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice. Father, we pray for the politicians who frame our laws. We pray for those entrusted with administering justice. Lawyers, judges, police, the Home Office. We pray for organisations whose sole reason for existing is to seek justice is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to set the oppressed free we pray for refugees all over the world, for those fleeing injustice and oppression. And we pray for organisations, for people who help them. I think of Amnesty. I think of Lesbos. What is it? The Dirty Girls. And so many more. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To share your food. We thank you for Hancross Pantry. We thank you for the Easter team. An embarrassment almost. 
providing food for the hungry in one of the world's richest nations. Father, forgive us. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To provide shelter. We pray for crisis. We pray for shelter. We pray for open house in Crawley. We pray for those everywhere whose home is a street corner, a cardboard box, a tent in a camp. You promise that when two or three gather together and pray in your name, you will hear. Father, hear us. Break our hearts. As surely yours is broken.